Hello, and welcome to Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate, a show about buying and selling homes in Montana and the power realtors and power lenders that make that happen. We are your hosts, Colleen Wood. And I'm Alicia Retz. Each week, we will discuss the housing market, how to navigate it, and what questions you need to be asking yourself along the way. But that's not all. We will also dive into how to navigate the ins and outs of being leaders in business and how to build a robust and dynamic team within that business and navigating the world as a career-driven professional, all while raising a family. Join us as we share our highs and lows in real estate, business ownership, and motherhood. Welcome, Colleen. How are you doing today? I'm so good, Alicia. How are you? Good. Okay. So today we are going to talk about how to navigate the market as a first-time homebuyer. Sure. First-time homebuyers. I love them, don't you? I actually love first-time homebuyers. Yeah. They're my favorite. I feel like they're the most grateful. I so really excited. enjoy walking through the process step-by-step. Yeah, yeah. step. It's uh-huh. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love first-time homebuyers too. They're so excited. They definitely have no idea what's going on, So, which which means we're on our toes. We have to really do our job well and make sure that they're super educated because there's a lot of things they can trip on. Exactly. I think the hardest part for first-time homebuyers is actually the financing. Sure. What are some of the things you're seeing that first-time homebuyers struggle with? You know, I think one of the things that we really run into for first-time homebuyers, it's probably the real, the first time that they've really evaluated where their credit is at. This is kind of the time where the youthful skeletons come out of the closet. The mistakes that you made when you were younger, maybe you forgot to pay that medical collection, or, you know, maybe you have a credit card charge off. An or old library book you never turned in. <laughs> library book. I had a I had a $10 collection from Target at one point in, in, in my credit history. That was just totally something like you got a credit card for it. We got a you got a deal if you got the credit card. And then I like I bought something stupid. Right. I pro- brought underwear or something silly like that for $10 <laughs> or something like that and, and didn't get the credit card bill or didn't pay it or thought I had paid it off, whatever, and ended up with a $10 collection that really, you know, really hurt my credit. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's such a great way to start it. People don't don't know where their finances are oftentimes. So this really is a great way to start that process, see where exactly where you are. So talking to a lender to begin with and seeing, you know, sometimes it's like you said, something so small, just Mm -hmm. get that taken care of and that can get you down the road to start buying process. Yeah. And, you know, correcting those things and kind of preparing for when you are going to buy a home can sometimes be a long runway. And a lot of times what we see are folks that haven't evaluated where they are with their credit and you know, they haven't really taken a look of where they are financially, if they even qualify or, you know, had conversations about their employment or anything like that. And they're just like, they find the house, they're in love with it and they need it right now. Right. Which can be a really difficult time for us to then try to correct mistakes that have happened for years and years before. So like, it takes time to correct those things. Exactly. Just like it takes time to create those issues. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My mom was a lender for 25 years and she never had like drug talk or even the sex talk with me, but she always said, (laughs) you have a good credit score. That's the only thing you have to do to be successful. Okay, so what are some of the myths that you see for first-time home buyers? Because I people constantly, what I'm seeing is they need 20% down. Yeah, that's a really common a myth that we see a lot. And, and when we dispel that myth with people, they're always just floored. Right. And, you know, I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes that first-time homebuyers make is that they wait to purchase a home until they can, quote unquote, save up a down payment. 
And there are so many really phenomenal loan programs out there that allow you to put zero to, you know, very low amount down payment. And some of those products, you don't even need to be a first time home buyer and even to, to even access those things. So yeah, huge, huge myth out there that you have to have a 20% down for a primary residence. 20% down is so much money. It's first time home buyers rarely have that much money. Usually when you get that is after you sold a home. Yeah. And that's really the only way that I've seen people really get ahead yeah. to have that 20% down to put on their second home. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like that's so just so you folks know out there, first time home buyers, like that's where people are getting their down payment. It's not from saving a hundred dollars a week. No, it would take you 40 years to do Exactly. Especially in this market. (laughs) Yeah. You have to have so much savings or just given a trust from your grandma, which again is pretty rare. Really the way people that I've seen get ahead is by selling their first home, moving on to the next and using that equity for their next purchase. And you know, that's something too, is that, you know, the home, your first time home is probably not going to be your dream home. And it's that that's okay. I mean, we have people that are like, no, I want to wait to use my first time home buyer status for the right home. Right. And they, I try to talk people out of that too, where when they, yeah, when they first start looking, it is such a dream and it's such yeah. a fun, exciting thing, but they have that vision in their head of what exactly their home has to look like. And, right. you Granite know, that countertop. Yes. The home from parenthood with yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the shop and all the trees. The big yard and, right. and all the things that they think that they want for their family. Right. You know, the family that they're going to have five years from now, you know, and they're, they're, they're trying very hard to lay the groundwork for the, to, you know, to, to live out their dreams. They're counting on us as their advisors to help them build a roadmap to get there. You don't start exactly. there. So let's talk about first-time homebuyer status because that's yes. something that really, really um, you is know a I was huge confused confusion about this about when that. I first started buying yeah. and just got into real estate. I thought it was the same thing as FHA yeah. financing. Oh yeah, and so okay, so first-time homebuyer status, and I think it's the media out there that's kind of created this misnomer, but it's really, really unfortunate. People think that. Being a first-time homebuyer is like a special gold star on your forehead that like gives you something that's really, really not the case. Right. So it turns out yes. we have great loan programs, even if you have owned a home before. That's okay. So talk to me some about, about your loan programs that you have. Okay. So most lenders out there have some real basic nuts and bolts of, of loan programs out there. So um, conventional loan programs with Fannie and Freddie, those are kind of your basic um, loan programs. Conventional loans, we use a lot. But talking about some of the government programs, FHA, that is a program that allows for a, a very low down payment. So it's three and a half percent down. But we love FHA because FHA is very forgiving for lower credit scores and higher debt to income ratios. So a debt to income ratio is your total debt. So your new house payment plus all your other monthly debt divided by your gross monthly income. So that's before taxes. And a lot of times, especially in a market that's super strong like ours, we have a lot of folks with a higher debt to income ratio. So what do the ratios need to be for FHA? We have some options all the way up to 50. Wow. Uh, Last year was 45%. So 50%. That's really great. People don't go buy a house with 50% of your income. But if you Mm -hmm. only show so much income, if you're an independent contractor or if you're self-employed and you aren't claiming all your money, then this is a great way to... Yeah, show that, yeah, I can still get a home with 50% of what my income shows. Or, you know, you're fresh out of school. You know, we have a ton of student loan debt out there. And sometimes people just have higher debt to income ratios. They're like, they're just getting started. They're getting, you know, they start with their baby jobs and then they 
you know, you work your way into higher paying jobs, but you got to live somewhere in the process. Right. And what I see too is I've seen a lot of homes where they actually can get income off their home, whether there's a basement apartment they're going to rent out or an ADU. Mm -hmm. And that does not show that that's going to be taken off your payment. Right. So that's a great option for people who will be showing other sorts of income. Absolutely. And you can actually use an FHA loan to purchase a multiple unit property if you're going to occupy one of the one of the units. That is so fantastic. And so how many, still, up to how many units? Four? four units and still do very minimum down payment. That is huge. It's huge. And it's a really great way for people to be able to get into investment property at a super low down payment. It's just a really, really cool program. And we we love the program. We use it a lot, especially in our market. So other programs that we have, we have a VA loan, which is designed for veterans out there. It's a um, great loan. Great loan. One of my favorites. Yes. And it's so Interest funny. are so much better with them. Yeah. They're more protected. Zero percent down generally if you haven't used your eligibility before. Right. So super exciting. If you receive any sort of um, VA disability payment, you don't even pay the upfront funding fee. So it's like no monthly mortgage insurance, no upfront funding fee and 0% down. Everyone should just go join the military right now just so you could always not use the VA. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think you have to be for three years. You're set. And you know what's funny is that there's a real misconception out there among realtors that um, that VA loans are harder. And fortunately, we've heard of realtors that have frowned upon offers with VA loans. Oh, I disagree. Which is bad news bears. Like, don't do that. That's, I mean. No, they're fantastic You never loans. ever want to. do have to have an appraiser come out and do an actual inspection on the home. So if yep. there's something major blinding with the house. Yep. We had one where there's a crack in the window and it was a giant it's gotta window. Be fixed. It's got to yeah. be fixed. But it really is. And the window should be fixed anyway. Yeah. So VA wants, it's VA protecting wants their buyers. veterans to live in, in, in homes that are of good quality that are safe for their families. And, right. and hey, that's, you know, that's what we want too. We don't want our, 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 our buyers living in ghettos either. Um, the other product that we have that we do a ton of is rural development or USDA loans. Those are also a 0% down product. They're so, hard to find in our market right now because of the income. You have right. a max income. Right. And so talk to me a little bit about that because it is a, such a good program. I was yeah. doing them a lot when I first came back to Montana. Right. And now they're just hard to find the right people to get into them. Oh, for sure. So um, USDA, the product was originally intended for uh, to help people be encouraged to live in rural areas which is kind of funny here in Bozeman right now because rural development allows for you to purchase homes outside the city limits. And it's funny because our city limits is kind of a little tiny circle inside the middle of a much larger area of, of, of... of real estate. Yes. So the amount of areas you can buy in our area is get a fantastic home just a few minutes from town. Right. And with a rural development loan. Right. It's pretty it's kind fantastic. Of funny. One thing that's been great, though, is rural development has really been pretty proactive in increasing their income limits. Um, okay, great. Yeah. So what is the income limit for a family of four right now? I think it's 103000 for Gallatin County. Okay. And I'm just kind of pulling from my ear on that one. That's always a guideline we always want to look up. But yeah, rural development is an income-restricted program um, that uh, you can't make too much money. So again, rural development, the reason why they created the program, they want to encourage people to live in rural areas and they want to help out people of a certain income level and below. So it wasn't intended for folks that had 20% down. It wasn't intended for folks that were high income. 
it was really intended for kind of moderate to low income folks wanting to live in rural areas. So, And it's a great way, again, for first time home buyers to get into the market. If you can find a rural development loan that'll work for you within your income, yeah. it's, I highly recommend. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's the loan that I that I use personally in order to get into a home. Oh, you and, did? Yeah, okay. absolutely. And we love, love rural development loans. Um, we love VA loans, FHA loans, all three of those products, rural development, FHA and VA. Those are all going to be need to have properties that are of good condition, good condition yep. for sure. And then we use that conventional product for properties that might need a little love, right. um, uh, ones that are going to not be a primary residence. So all of those government programs, FHA, VA, and rural development all require that you occupy the property as your primary residence. Okay. So, so let's talk something kind of controversial. Sure. Let's talk about arms. Okay. So I've had a lot of friends use them. They've had success with yeah. them. People who flip homes a lot. It's not the worst option on the planet. Right. What, what, what are your opinions about an arm? Um, you know, it used to be that arms were a really a common product to be used for somebody who was planning to sell a home uh, in, within a handful of years. And it used to be that the interest rates for adjustable rate mortgages, so that's what arm means, adjustable rate mortgage, meaning that your interest rate can change uh, along, the, the, along the term of your mortgage so it won't stay the same. So if prime interest rate goes up, so does your interest rate on your house. So uh, we used to do a lot of arms because the interest rate would be fixed for a set number of initial years, which would generally allow people to, you know, live in the home and pay kind of a minimal payment and then be able to liquidate the property before the, uh, the rate started to adjust. Right. Well, it used to be then that interest rates on adjustable rate mortgages were quite a bit better, like almost a full point lower than the fixed rate mortgages. That's right. And now they're catching back up. They're not that much of a difference. You know, we've been pricing arms because we've been getting a lot of questions about them. And we have seen lately that um, adjustable rate mortgage interest rates have been higher than the really? fixed rate. Really? That is so interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, we I have a what conversation. what projections are. Is yeah. it that they think interest rates are going to go down? Is that why? Or I'm not really sure what the why behind it is. But for me, when I'm coaching my clients on what the best thing is for them to do, you know, you never know when life's going to happen. And you say you do a seven year arm. So an, your interest rate is going to stay the same for seven years and then it can adjust like so a seven one arm stays the same for seven years. And then for every year after that, it's going to it'll adjust based on prime prime interest rate. And it's risky. What if life happens to you and, and that property that house. you thought you were going to stay in is now going to have to be your house? You know, maybe the market turns. Maybe you can't sell your house for what you owe in it, you know, and you're stuck with an interest rate and a payment that can, that can fluctuate. It doesn't matter right. where My you are. My parents bought their first home at 12%. Yeah. You don't want to get stuck with a mortgage that goes up at even 12%. To, yeah. 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 I mean, that would be crazy. So, you know, I think it's always good to ask questions when it, when you're considering an adjustable rate mortgage, especially for the purpose of, say, flipping a property and maybe, you know, trying to keep your payment as low as possible. Yeah. Ask the question. So you, you're educated and you know the answer. I have been advising against them just again, because interest rates have been higher. There's not worth, there's it's really not worth no the risk. benefit then right no now benefit. for them. No, yeah. Before, no, like no. you said, if you're an entire point lower, you know, you move often, then yeah, maybe it's possibly worth the risk for you. But right now it really mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. That's my guidance. I like that. it. I like it. Okay. So something else that we run into where, you know, we kind of talked about student loans and people um, having trouble with student loans. Yes. Student loans are brutal. Yeah. It took us so long to pay off my husband's student loans. And again, the way I've seen people pay off their loans is by selling their first house. Yeah. I've seen true. it over and over again. Those debt payments, you just slowly chip away and chip away. It mm -hmm. takes a lot to make a giant $40,000 payment out of nowhere. It does. And so here's something that we get asked about all the time. 
It's really, really common when you're out fresh out of school or even just a handful of years out of school that your student loan payments could be deferred or right. a super low payment based on your current income. And we get asked every single day, well, I don't have to make a payment on my, on my student loan, so why do you have to count a payment? And the answer is, is that we do have to count a payment, even if it is in deferment. Because eventually you're going to have to pay on it. Because it's a 30-year mortgage. And at yep. some point, you know, you're going to have to make a payment on that student loan and you need to be able to qualify for that. So the way that we calculate that really depends on the product that we're using. So the loan product, whether we're using an FHA loan, a rural development loan, a VA loan, or what kind of conventional loan that we do that we um, are using for you. A lot of times, like for FHA, we calculate your student loan payment based on 1% of the balance of your student loans. So if you owe $40,000 in student loans, like you said, you know, we have to count a payment of $400 for you. And like some of our doctors out there, we had a gentleman call us like a few weeks ago, he has $300,000 in student loan yep. debt. And so that's a $3,000 a month payment that we have to count, even though they're in deferment and he doesn't have to count it. And that's a federal guideline. That's not something that's specific to a, us in yep. our office. I have a client right now, he's a doctor. We're about ready to close on his home and we Barely, barely qualified. Yeah. And he's making fantastic money, but those oh, yeah. student loan payments are awful. They're and this awful. is the story I was telling you before we started. He works part-time in a different part of the state. He decided, I think we're closing in a week. He decided <laughs> to go make an offer on another condo when we barely qualified for this house. So we're, we're, we're getting down to it, which is another question I want to get to. So when you are buying and you're about ready to close, talk to me about keeping your payments low, not buying anything. Yeah. Don't go out and buy a new car. Don't go buy a new condo right before you're going to oh close. Gosh, Yeah. So, you know, we feel like we probably say it over and over and over again, both on the realtor side and on the lender side. We feel like we say it so much that we, we're starting to be redundant. People are going to get annoyed. But then situations happen where this happens. So will be one of the documents that you actually sign at the closing table is have you incurred any other debt since we ha- since we started this mortgage application and often that's where people are like oh yeah I bought that new furniture and then and the next question is did you put it on credit <laughs> oh yeah they had this great deal is 0% down and it is a hard stop like we have to stop right there get, go and gather a statement from you send you back to underwriting and see if you still qualify And I've had it where people have bought a vehicle, like they pulled up to the title company or they pulled up to my office and a brand new vehicle and the realtor and I am standing there looking at that brand new dealer plate. Like, I hope that's your mom's truck. Oh man, it was a a, a 2015 red Chevy that pulled up to my closing. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to happen. And guess what? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And, And we actually said as a joke, like two weeks before, don't go out and buy a new truck. Yeah. Shows and up closing with a new truck. And they did it. I think it's because people are getting confident, like they're getting some awareness right. of where they are financially. Like, because we don't just, we don't call people up and be like, hello, your debt to income ratio is tipping over onto the very tippy top. Like, yeah, we tell you have people, an 810 credit score. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we don't, we don't call them and tell them that. Like, we tell them, hey, you qualify for this mortgage. And they get maybe a little cocky. And, uh, and that new truck thing, they're going to think that new truck looks really good in there in front of their brand new house. So, yeah, if you are in the process of doing a mortgage, please don't go get a new credit card or buy anything on. <laughs> On credit or open any new lines of credit or buy any new vehicles or go under contract on another piece of real estate. It can be a total deal breaker and you could be left with, and with the living how- in your brand new 2015 right. Chevy truck. <laughs> and with how tight this market is, it's not worth it to lose the transaction. We have to fight to get our first time home buyers into homes, Absolutely. especially yeah. if they're not doing cash. So it really is worth it to just wait a couple weeks and yeah. then make that happen. And it, it can be hard though for people to kind of wrap their head around it because they want to move 
move in that afternoon and, and start they their want, lives. They, they want, want to start, start their, their lives. lives. So they wanted to, you know, they've picked out the furniture. It's going to be delivered. I mean, they feel like they've done all the right things. And, you know, those furniture companies, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to sell stuff too. So they're pretty good at convincing people to go right ahead and get that new furniture. So if you have any questions when you are in your loan process, I highly recommend that you contact your lender or your realtor and ask them if they think that would be a good idea before you go and sign that promise. To <laughs> I think pay. that's a fantastic idea. Okay, something that too that I um, like to give as advice for for parents out there that are wanting to help their kids because it is really hard right now to build credit when you're a kid. There's not a very there's very few people that are willing to give a young person a vehicle loan without a cosigner. There's very few um, even a credit card. Credit card. It, t- it takes time to build that credit, and that was something interesting for me. I never had debt in my life. And my husband had all this debt just from student loans. He always paid it. But his credit score was so much higher than mine. So building your credit is also really important. So help. Yeah. So when your parents can help you with that, it's really a big. So something, and I should tell you this too, because I know you'll do it. But something that we can do as parents is that if you have a credit card out there that you've had for a long time and you've had a great credit history with it, you've always paid it on time. And it's it's a good credit card that's been performing well for you. Go ahead and make your child an authorized user on that credit card. You don't necessarily have to tell them that they're an authorized yeah, user. Uh, and when they send you the credit card that's got your kid's name on it, I would probably shred that. But if you do that and you provide their social security number, their date of birth, just like you would when you would apply for a credit card, if you do that, that credit card, that credit history that you have will actually help build them credit way early in life. Like my son is 12. He's an authorized user on my That's oldest really credit card. really fantastic for him. Yeah. You're setting him up for life to be able to make the decisions that he needs to be able to do. Right. And teaching him how to use it eventually as he does get older, I think is also really important. Because right. it's easy to get a credit card. You know, you go spend $400 at Costco or Target when you're really young. It takes a long time to get caught up, like when you're first right. starting off. So And you're paying interest on that. Yes. And something like 26.77% oh, or something crazy like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just a horrible way for kids to get started. And, you know, a lot of times, like you can't even get into a rental without them pulling a credit report for you. That's very true. Yeah. For all of our rentals, we pull their credit report. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's really important to help your kids build some credit um, so that you can, you know, they can eventually do something on their own. And maybe you don't have to co-sign for them on their first time home. Something just kind of wrapping up this subject is that did you know that you can reestablish your first-time homebuyer status? Yes. This is something I learned probably a few years ago, but it was something that, again, another myth with it, with the FHA and first-time homebuyer. One, I thought you could only use FHA once because I right. was kind of commingling them and thinking of the right, same right. thing. Yeah. But yeah, so how long, tell me about how you would do that with a first-time homebuyer. Sure. So if you, um, if you have not owned a home for three years, so own any real estate, for three years, you actually reestablish that first-time homebuyer status. So it's not that long. No. I mean, especially if you're going through a change and moving somewhere, three years does not take, I mean, that's a blink in the eye of, of the eye in yeah. real estate. So, and, and something to touch on too, is that let's talk about which, which programs that you actually have to be a first-time homebuyer in order okay, to qualify for. So you don't have to be a first-time homebuyer to have an FHA loan. You don't have to be a first-time homebuyer to have a VA loan or a rural development loan. You don't have to be a first-time homebuyer to have a conventional loan. What you do have to be a first-time homebuyer for is some down payment assistance programs require that. 
Some of like the um, Montana mortgage credit certificate requires that you be a first time home buyer. Um, that's not really a loan program. That's kind of a, it's a tax credit. There's a couple conventional products that allow you to just put 3% down instead of 5% on the conventional product. Again, that's a big difference. Yeah, in pay- but, that's a big down payment difference. Right. But those, so the conventional loan products that, that require you to do 3% down do require you be a first time home buyer. Okay. But the thing about it is, is that there are so many other options out there, even if you're not a first time home buyer. So, you know, don't ever feel like, you know, that you should protect your first time home buyer status for the right home or that you should, um, you know, it's like they protect it like virginity or something like that. It's, it's really, it's, it's, Put that chastity belt it's on. really kind of funny. So, so don't be afraid. If you're, if you're paying somebody else's mortgage by paying rent, you should really be having a conversation with the right people about how you should be getting into a home and pay your own mortgage and some, so yes. somebody else's mortgage, Easiest even in this crazy life. market. Yeah. Because, you know, as you live in that home, that home is providing you a safe place to live. It's providing a roof over your head. It's serving you. It's not just money that you're, that you're pouring down the drain. You know, yep. it's you're serving your, you. You're building your equity and appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. It's the easiest way, the quickest way to get ahead, I feel like. Right. And when you're ready. Getting an MBA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Skip the MBA and the stu- all the student loan debts yep. that come with it. So, but yeah, yeah, you can get into maybe a house that's, you know, maybe not your dream home. Maybe it's kind of tiny or maybe it's kind of ugly or it's not in the perfect neighborhood that you that you want, but it'll, it'll work for you for right now. Do what you can to get into the market. Make right. the moves to get into it. And like you said- over the long term, real estate does appreciate. It does appreciate. Yeah. Yep. I Over mean, the long term. Yep. It absolutely well, does. Well, Colleen, this was super, super beneficial. I feel yeah. like the information you gave us about loans, really, really valuable. I it's appreciate what I do it. all day long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we love loans. We love first time home buyers. So definitely please reach out to your favorite lender, to your favorite realtor to talk about how you can get into a home for the first time. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next week for another episode of Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate. Thank you.